In honor of Flag Day this week on June 14th, we'd like to start today's show with the playing of the National Anthem. Good morning and welcome to Let's Talk Wyoming. I'm Mark Hamilton, your host, and today we'll be taking a look at our weather and it is continuing on with a little bit of rain and a little bit of everything. Also today we'll be celebrating our Flag Day. We'll talk about some road construction and we'll talk about Mr. Kenny Sailors, our Wyoming legend, the man that invented the jump shot. Thanks for joining us today and we hope you enjoy the show. Taking a look at Wyoming weather here today on the 13th of June. I can't believe it's already the 13th. Tomorrow's Flag Day, about halfway through the month. Fourth of July is just right around the corner. I hate to sound like a weatherman, but I think our weather looks like it could rain. We had some showers over the weekend, and it depended where you were. I had made a trip up to Cody, Wyoming on Saturday morning early. And came back about noon and just outside of Thermop, just got totally drenched. And then got another five miles away to where I live and we got some dribbles out of that. Maybe we got 1,200s out of the storm, but uh, didn't quite develop. They were expecting some potential for some heavy rain. Didn't see it, but it's just across the state. It's just unbelievable right now. It's getting to the point where I wonder when the sun's going to shine. I do see some temperatures starting to moderate a little bit, but every time you start thinking it's going to moderate, you see another forecast of another band of showers coming through the area. So I guess we'll take it right now. Green in the state of Wyoming. A chance of rain and maybe some sun. Taking a look at Wyoming Potpourri, I think a lot of people might have saw it in social media, but this week it was announced that Buckhorn Bar is for sale. And you talk about a landmark in in Laramie and for all the University of Wyoming students. I will have to admit that I did spend some time in the Buckhorn Bar when I was at the University of Wyoming in the late 70s. And it's for sale right now. And the price tag, if you have some spare change on the counter, 
was listed at $4.995 million. I don't know, more or less, I guess they didn't want to scare people away putting $5 million on it. But it's amazing. It's a lot of money for that place. And you just wonder, there's always the thought maybe that place was going to crumble at some time. I don't know how much they've remodeled or what work they would do, but when you'd be upstairs, you people remember the upstairs, there was a dance floor up there, and that place would rock, and it was like, wonder when that's going to collapse. And uh, But it's a landmark. I mean, with all the places in Laramie, the Buckhorn Bar, there was the Cowboy Bar, um, that was there when, when I was going to school. It was a landmark, but it slowly but surely did disappear, changed names many times. And there really hasn't been a bar uh, like that, that with that history to the University of Wyoming as the Buckhorn has. And I don't know if any of you have all been to, ever went to school that you had to made a trip down to the Buckhorn Bar. And I know a lot of Adults on football weekends or when they're visiting always go down to the Buckhorn Bar. So if you have a group of you, feel like you're adventurous, want to get into the business of, into the bar business and own something that's been around, I'm going to have to check and do some research how many years that's been around because I know it was there. So it's been there since, let's say, the 70s. So it's it's 50 I bet that thing's older than 50 years old. I'm going to have to do research, and I'll share that in upcoming episodes. But the Buckhorn Bar, a Wyoming landmark in Laramie, Wyoming, is up for sale. And also here with the in the month of June, tomorrow is the 14th day of June, which is Flag Day. And that is really an important day in our country to remember our flag. And it's a day to, to be really proud of who we are. And also, it's a important day also for me, and that's my father's birthday. And when I was growing up, I always got a chuckle that he would be out on his birthday. And he said, look, on my birthday, everybody celebrates. They put out the flag for my birthday. And as a young kid, I, of course, believed that. It was always a day I remember now. You never forget a birthday, my father's birthday, because it was on Flags Day. So an important day for our country. Also an important day for me to remember my father, who's passed. And he was part of that last great generation. We'll be talking about a story coming up about the University of Wyoming. And he was part of that generation that started college. He went to his first year and then was drafted or went off to the war, enlisted, headed to Europe. But like we'll find out in our story, like a lot of people did, a lot of our men in our country made that sacrifice and and went off to, to fight in the war. But again, he was part of that last generation. And I was lucky, I feel lucky that I grew up around the last of the last of the great generation, the people from my past, a lot of great people. But again, Wishing my father happy birthday. I love you, Dad, and may you rest in peace. Taking a look at Wyoming travels, I talked about the trip last week that we took from here in Thermopolis across to Crable and up on 14 above Shell and 
up to Burgess Junction and back around to Lovell and so forth and so on. Unbelievable trip up there in the Bighorns and the road is just second to none. And I wanted to share this when they talked about the work that they did on 14A, and it's quite a road. And it's the about the reconstruction when they actually did work on it. Reconstruction of 52 miles of the U.S. 14A between Bighorn Lake and Burgess Junction began with the bridge and causeway at the lake in the mid-1960s. The mountain project was described as one of the most difficult in the department history. Of course, it's from the Wyoming Transportation Department. Then construction costs were more than $2.4 million, which was very expensive, compared with $33,000 spent in the 1920s and 30s, but by today's standards was a real bargain. There were 11 prime contractors and 18 contracts involved in the process. Construction on the east end began in 1967, and the entire road was completed in 1983. The process involved several unique road-building techniques. Surveyors and engineers became rock climbers. Rock bolting stabilized vertical walls, and reinforced earth walls made the road stable on steep slide slopes. Each of the five reinforcement walls is a mass of earth filled, in which the metal strips anchor the outer retaining wall. The retaining wall is made of interlocking metal panels in horizontal layers. They were but one of the many innovations utilized in the construction of this road. Construction crews rock-bolted vertical faces to stabilize them, and where rock was too fractured for bolting to be effective, surfaces were secured with metal netting bolted to the rock. When complete, the road was hailed as an engineering and construction masterpiece in steep alpine terrain. Literally hundreds of people are responsible for its design, engineering, construction, and support programs. Most notably, supporters were Governor Cliff Hansen, Stan Hathaway, Ed Herschler, and many workers employed during this time. Stan Hathaway, Ed Herschler, and many workers employed during this term. In addition, local personality supporters, contractors, and suppliers played a vital role in the construction of the project. Throughout the entire construction process, funding was continued to be a significant factor in various in varying quantities funds to build this 52 miles of road were provided from federal state and local sources and it is amazing and i encourage everyone that comes to the state of wyoming or from people here in the state on 14a or 14 i would recommend myself i like the trip down on 14a as far as the view you get to see a little bit more but it is definitely an outstanding trip that I highly endorse. Today in Wyoming sports, we're going to go to a story, kind of one of my favorites, being a, always a youngster that loved to love basketball as a basketball coach and just the love of the game. And I think of this gentleman when I think about basketball. I had my nephew call me a few years back and he was out of state and he was at at a function where people were talking about a famous person from Wyoming or somebody, a sports athlete in Wyoming. So he called me and said, who's the famous basketball player from the state of Wyoming? And I immediately, without hesitation, said Kenny Sailors. Kenny Sailors was the father of the jump shot, in my opinion. 
And he was a person that really made an impact on our state. And so I want to share the story from wildhistory.org from Ryan Thorburn. Kenny Sailors, Jump Shot Hero. Kenny Sailors, his jump shot, and the Wyoming Cowboys proved they could beat anybody, anytime, anywhere in 1943. The story of the Pokes' inspiring run to the national championship at Madison Square Garden in the Big Apple actually began in Little Hillsdale, Wyoming during the Great Depression. When young Kenny and his older brother Bud weren't working on the family farm, they could be found shooting baskets with a leather ball at a rusted iron rim on a dirt court, usually through the teeth of a gusting wind. One spring afternoon in 1934, Kenny grew tired of Bud, who had sprouted to six foot five inches tall, spotting traditional set shots back in his face. So the 13-year-old with spring for legs made a move that would revolutionize basketball. The one thing I could do was jump. I could broad jump and high jump when I was just a punk kid. I had legs on me and I could get up there. I once stayed here in Laramie with a broad jump of 22 feet as a senior. Sailor said seven and a half decades later, I thought, that guy is big, and I'm not very big, but I can jump. So I decided to run right at Bud and jump straight up. I leaped as high as I could and shot the ball over him. I don't remember if it was one-handed or two-handed, but I made one. And so the jump shot was invented, or at the very least perfected, by sailors, literally on Wyoming soil. Hank Lissetti, an All-American at Stanford in the 1930s, garnered national attention with a unique one-handed shot, but he didn't leave the floor with both feet. The Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame suggests that Glenn Roberts may have been the first to shoot a jumper. Roberts, a Virginian, used a two-handed jump shot in the early and mid-1930s while in high school and at Emory and Henry College. Joe Fawkes is also considered to be one of the fathers of the shop, honing his skills as a kid in Kentucky before attending Murray State and then playing from 1946 to 1962 with the NBA Philadelphia Warriors. But many credible basketball historians and legendary coaches from the era consider Sailors to be the first pure shooter. I heard of Kenny Sailors, said Jim Brandenburg. Wyoming's head coach from 1979 through 87, who was a schoolboy in San Antonio when the Cowboys were making national headlines in 1943. Most of the high school coaches in Texas were still teaching the underhand free throw or the two-handed push shot. We were just starting to develop the one-handed set shot and the step-back one-hander. We knew about the jump shot, Brandenburg said, but we didn't have any coaches that could really teach us step by step so we could really get into it. We knew that Kenny was one of the guys credited for starting the jump shot. Coach Eve Shelton embraced Sailor's flashy game from the moment the talented five foot ten inch freshman stepped on campus in Laramie. Shelton, a Naismith Hall of Fame head coach in Sailors, a three-time All-American in 1942, 43, and 46, was a guard that guided Wyoming to a 31-2 and record during the 1942-43 season. That season for the Cowboys included tournament wins over Oklahoma, Texas, and finally Georgetown in the national title game, 
Wyoming then played the National Invitational Tournament champion, St. John's at Madison Square Garden. To prove once and for all who the best team in the country was, Wyoming prevailed 52-47 to in overtime. Sailor still remembers the feeling of taking the floor in the world's most famous arena, as if those glory days happened last week. Here I am, just a kid off the farm down there in Hillsdale, never been out of the state before, and only 19 years old, Sailor said of his first game at Madison Square Garden. You can imagine the first time when I went in there. They announce your name when you go on the court. Kenny Sailor's from Wyoming. And the crowd, they go nuts. I've never seen anything like it in my life. That's more people than I'd ever saw in a building in my life. Never even close to it, probably. After the NCAA championship, we got back to Laramie train station, and the whole town was there, which was only about 8,000 people, sailors recalled. We'd seen twice that at Madison Square Garden. Boy, oh boy, it was kind of embarrassing, because we couldn't go anywhere around Laramie. I went to buy a necktie, and they gave it to me. I went to buy a meal, and I couldn't pay for it. When the cheering was over, Sailors and six of his teammates went off to fight in World War II. College basketball's 19-year-old National Player of the Year was already commissioned as a second lieutenant in the Marines and was sent to South Pacific not long after the team returned from New York City to Laramie. After two years of service, Sailor returned to the University of Wyoming, which, due to the war, had suspended the basketball program for the 1943-44 season. To finish his collegiate career in 1945-46, to he played in the NBA, including a stint with the Denver Nuggets, before leaving basketball for an outdoor life with his beloved wife, Marilyn. The Sailors owned the Heart Six Dude Ranch in Jackson, Wyoming, and then moved to Alaska, where they worked as hunting guides for 33 years. When Marilyn passed away, in 2002, Kenny moved back to Laramie. While in his 90s, Sailor lived in an apartment just steps away from the University of Wyoming War Memorial Stadium and regularly attended cowboy and cowgirl basketball games, where he was treated like a rock star by the Arena Auditorium fans. He suffered a heart attack in December of 2015 and died January 30th of 2016. He was survived by his son, Dan, daughter-in-law, Jean, eight grandchildren, 12 great-grandchildren, and one great-great-grandchild. He was 95 years old. And it's amazing at that time when you look up, when you go to the school of the University of Wyoming, you see that banner flying in the rafters, our only national championship in basketball. And it makes you really proud. And I can only imagine what it was like for those people at that time related in the story when they came home they from the championship they headed off and to the world war ii to serve for two years like a lot of people did and as i said earlier in our talking about flag day and and my father he was at the university of Wyoming at the same time went to one year of school and, and then headed off to the war and it was definitely a different time but kenny sailors is definitely a legend. They did do a bronze of him at the Arena Auditorium, the Dome of Doom. But just somebody, a pioneer here from the state of Wyoming that blazed a trail and made everyone here in the state of Wyoming really proud. Just another 
final note after doing the story and doing some additional research. For all the Wyoming people that know the campus, all the games at that time were played at Half Acre Gymnasium. And, of course, the field house came later. That's what was up when I was in school. Of course, the Half Acre was a PE facility, and you did go over there and you could play basketball and stuff. But um, talking about the games and how loud it was inside that arena, and, of course, they had the track or uh, around the top or where people would sit and um, talked about people hanging over the edge and how just unbelievable it was and just a little reminiscent of the movie uh, Hoosers. You saw some of those old gymnasiums and it's just that time when you just uh, are just intrigued by what we had in our past and just basketball is a great sport. Boy, I'll tell you what, it must have been great at that gym for those games. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy our podcast. As per the Code of the West, we ride for the brand, and we ride for Wyoming.